Hi there guys, Davey here. I just wanted to first off apologise for the fact this episode's going up a day late. We've moved over to a new recording setup and it's presented a whole heap of technical challenges. I think I've solved them for the next time we record, but thank you ever so much for bearing with us. This is going up on the anniversary of the podcast and I've got to say it's been a really special time doing this. I've enjoyed every single episode we've ever done and I'm just glad to see the show growing and for your support. So thank you ever so much. Now on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of NPS We Trust. My name's Davey and joined with me as always is Phil. Cheers lads, good to see you. And Spencer. Good to see you too mate. It's lovely to see you guys today. I mean this is the first episode that we've done on video. So now listeners, as you know we're a top quality five-star rated podcast by two people so far, so please don't forget to do it. But now we're also on video. So you can come on and see our beautiful, beautiful faces. And I tell you what, lads, you guys are looking stunning today. Very fetching. Thank you very much, mate. I make an effort for every time we do a podcast, video or audio. Um, I can see you've dressed up for the occasion, though. You've got a a brand new t-shirt that you're sporting. Can you show that to the camera a little bit? I do, I do indeed. It's from a game that just cannot be mentioned. Oh, this is the reason you've worn it, so you can just point at it. This makes a lot of sense. I did indeed. I did indeed. And as we know, there are some shots on the line today from a video that that we did recently, which is the IGN Best Game of All Time redo. Spence, you are unlucky enough to have a shot from the first part of that. Now, you're not drinking today, are you? I'm not, but if I have to do it, I'll do it. What do you want? Right, well, yeah, I'm not drinking. It's a bit sad. I would like to be. But hard times fall on good people, I suppose. Um, Tonight, we're on video now, so I can get it and show you. Wait. Go on. Sorry, Spotify and Lime listeners. There it is. Sorry for the background noise as well. Orange Zero, Tesco Zone. Oh, 50 very bottle. nice. Yes. Oof. How does it compare to, uh, to Fanta or Tango? I'd say it's better than Tango. It's not as good as Fanta. Because Tango is too strong on the orange, whereas Fanta's like that nice level of mix between orange and fizz, you know? And this is a bit heavier on the fizz side, I think. But it's better than Tango. And you don't have to worry about getting fat, because it's zero cal. It's zero as well, true. Watching the shape, I respect that. I respect that a lot. So why is it that you're not drinking today? I have work at, well, I have to be up at 6am. And Oof. knowing us, we're going to stop recording at 1am. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, uh, that is not brand for us. No way. It is, mate. So if I'm chucking drinks on top of that, I think I'm fucked. So, you know. Fair. Well, we are recording a day earlier than we normally would do because we're all out for a gig tomorrow. So what I'm going to say is if there are any shots that I managed to fall into today, because I had two on the last episode we did, if that happens, I'm not going to do them on the show. I'm going to do them when I'm out and get video and upload that onto this and edit it in because I'm on the edit this time. 
And I think that'd be class. And for you audio listeners, you'll be able to hear the state that I get into. It will be like as if we're doing the big quiz again, but times two. It's going to be a mess on Friday. I'm going to get absolutely fucking destroyed. But, Phil, what are you on today? What kind of nonsense have you pulled out of the ether today? To be fair, mate, that's a great idea. I'm in for that as well. If there's any shots tonight, I'll be taking them uh, on the night out tomorrow and we can video them. I think that's a great nice. idea. Um, we are out in Cardiff, if anyone's around. Um, going to see uh, the Pete and Baz show, uh, which would be quite interesting um, in Cardiff. Uh, so if anyone's out, come and say hi. You might, you might see us in the flesh. A step up from the video. The only thing is, though, if we actually manage to meet somebody who's like, oh, I listened to episode 27, they'll have had to have time-traveled back in time to meet us on that night out and tell us. That makes because sense. Because the episode goes it? out on Wednesday. Mm. So if they do, if you actually manage to come up to us and say, oh, the great episode episode 27 was, then fair play. I want to know the winning lottery numbers because, you know, don't come back and just fucking talk to me. Like, give me something. Give me like the sports almanac from Back to the Future, you know? I want to know shit. I want to be insanely rich so I can just ditch this show and get some professional hosts on. So, Ouch. until that day. Ouch. God, is this the way we're finding <laughs> out? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm only kidding, guys. You know I love you. Fuck you. So, what are you on then, Phil? I can't believe there was a flaw to my plan disappointing well anyway um i'm on the buds tonight um i thought i put in the dock that i was just going to drink some tea maybe a glass of water keep it you know pg but after the day i've had i thought straight on the alcohol it's thursday why not late start tomorrow um so budweiser for me tonight guys thirsty thursdays beauty mate well guys for me i don't have work tomorrow so it's a good time for me. And so I was in Tesco this time. I didn't go to Asda. I went to Tesco. And you know me. I normally look for either a great bottle design or I go for Estrella. It's one of the two. Well, this time I thought I'd try something different. So while I was there, I thought, I'm going to try some beers that I've just never had. But they've got to hit a specific criteria. They've got to be banter in the name, right? So the first one I'm on is a Portuguese lager. And it's called Super Bock. And I thought, that's very close to Super Cock, isn't it? And I was like, <laughs> that's going on. That's getting in the trolley, all right? That's a very interesting way to choose your lagers. Because it sounds like Super Cock. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Super Cock. That's insane. And I was, and you know what? Super Bock is the boy. This is a really, really nice lager. And then after that, I found this one. Krombacher. I thought, fuck me, this sounds like it's going to blow your tits off, right? Getting on the Krombackers tonight, boys. So I thought, oh, I'll try that. It's a nice German Pils lager. So I thought, oh, I'll go for a nice Pilsner from Germany. And then I was looking at the German bottles. I can't believe you're not doing it in the accents, Davey. We know how good a German accent you've got. <laughs> you don't want my you don't want my German accent, Jesus Christ. The only German accent I know is either Ramstein or Wolfenstein. So you're going to get full-on Nazis, or you're going to get Ramstein. Nice. And nobody nice. wants my impression of so that. So border, bordering on racism, straight away. And speaking of bordering on racism, this last one, right, is called Wolfsteiner. Okay? Now, this is why I bought it. It's a German lager, and this is, this is the description on there. Naturally brewed according to the German purity law. 
Oh, Jesus. You know what happened the last time they followed a purity law? Jesus Christ, you don't want that. So that's why I thought I'm going to get it. <laughs> I'm going to get it and try it. And I'll, I'll let you guys know. But so far, starting with Supercock, it's, uh, it's an absolutely class lager. It's a class choice. I might do this more in the future. Sounds like a good little plan there, mate, um, to choose your lagers based on a funny name. I'm looking forward to what you pick up in uh, future episodes. Of course, listeners, if you have a strange and weird lager you'd like us to feature on the show, I suppose it doesn't necessarily need to be lager, does it, boys? We'll drink anything that's wet. Um, right into the show. Tweet us. Uh, get on the Reddit. We'll start the conversation about what we should be drinking. Suggest some drinks for us. I'd love to. I'd love to try something new. I'm not drinking anything that's wet, mate. That's disgusting. <laughs> what, you're going to drink something dry? No, just not anything that's wet. Spencer will have a cup of sand. <laughs> Spencer just puts toast in a fucking blender. <laughs> just like, oh, I'll have a nice cup of toast. Hmm. Worth a try. We'll see what happens. Maybe maybe that'll be his punishment <laughs> later if he doesn't take a shot. Well, following that bombshell, let's bring it on to what have we been playing? This time on NPS We Trust, what have the boys been playing? Okay, guys, it's been two weeks since the last episode, and I'm desperate to know what you've been playing. So, tradition states we start with Spencer. Spence, what have you been on? Right, well, I've not actually played too much PlayStation in the last two weeks. Or really any at all. I've played a little bit. Only a bit. The one day, I was extremely fucking bored. No one was online to do anything. And I thought, you know what? I'll play some Hades, because that game's fantastic. And I managed to escape again. For the second time, this time with the spear weapon, um, game's hard, game's really hard, but I did it, it advanced the story, gave me more like knowledge into Zagreus, the main character, and like his purpose, what he's trying to do and accomplish, and playing it's just sick, it's actually just a great game, I had a lot of fun playing it, I haven't played it much more, I actually, my first run, getting back on it, was the one where I escaped. And then I did a few more, but I kind of fucked those. I died quite early. I died to something called Tiny Rat. Which, there's a guy when you enter the building who, like, tells you what killed you. And he he laughed at me. So. (laughs) Nice. Is it actually just a tiny rat? No, it's a mini boss. Oh. Oh, It's it's called, like, Tiny Vermin or something. And it's tiny, teleports around and fucks you up the arse. And it's it's actually worse than the last boss in the game, I reckon. Is I he actually is he actually tiny though, or is it kind of like a play, or he's actually tiny. a large rat? No, he's tiny. Yeah. And then after you hit him a few times, he screams, and loads of like large, giant, poisonous rats spawn. Sounds terrifying. Charming. Christ. Yeah, it's horrible. It's actually it's actually the worst boss in the game, in my opinion. Well, I mean, apart from that, you and me were playing. Uh, we were here. We Obviously, we said about it last episode that we, we'd started playing it and we'd got pretty far on the first one. We made some more progress on that entire trilogy, didn't we? Sure, mate. So we played more We Were Here 1, the original one. Um, we'd kind of advanced, I think, mostly into the one role, whereas now we've finished that one role and we've also finished the opposite roles. Um, and in doing so, we've perfect played the game and got the little misc confetti trophy, and we've both platinumed the game. Really fun. Really fun game. 
there's not a lot of story in the first game. It's just puzzles. All you know is that there's a marionette chasing you that's going to kill you if you don't get that damn show going at the end. And as we said last time, that game is basically just like just like Operation Tango uh, or No Way Out, right? It's just those two-player kind of co-op games that you kind of work together to overcome obstacles. That's that's pretty much what it is, right? With, with separate roles, one of you being a librarian, one of you being like the adventurer. Do you think they're ever going to start releasing three-player games? Because I'm always feeling a little left out with this. No. I just don't know if I want you to be part of it, if I'm honest with you, Phil. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like we're a pretty, pretty well-oiled machine. You know, sometimes you put an extra cog in there, and it's, it's like too many cooks in the kitchen, you know? It's like Overcooked. There's a reason why we could play three-player Overcooked, but we don't. <laughs> you know, I... I mean, nice. someone's got to say it, Spence, you know? I mean, it's just one of those things. But if they ever do, mate, we'll, we'll play it. Welcome to the Elitist Podcast, everybody. <laughs> I mean, mate, after our last time playing, we were here. I wouldn't say we were very well over. No, team. no. I mean, we flew through the second one, didn't we? The second one uh, is just like the first one, but with an even bigger budget, isn't it, really? Yeah, and and we absolutely caned that. I thought we did a really good job with that one, and, and like the puzzles got a lot more depth. It's um, it's like a lot more teamworky. But then the third one, Jesus Christ! I mean, do you want to do you want to say what kind of happened with that? So we finished the second one, flew for it, both rolls, platinum there, and there's an Easter egg where you can both escape. It's the only game where both of you can escape the where you're trapped, and we did that, and that gave us the platinum. So then the other night we started on the third game, we were here together and Jesus, it's a big change. The third game absolutely kicks your ass compared to the first and second one. The puzzles are so much harder. It's just a kind of a different vibe as well, because in the original two games, you have to just select your role at the start and you're separated off the rip. Whereas in this third game, you're in a, like a cabin together and depending on how you solve the puzzles, will dictate which role you're given and it gives you that role during the game rather than deciding it originally are they are they timed these uh these missions or uh these little uh, quests that you have or or is it kind of like um you know does something happen if you reach a certain point um within the time or some of them are timed not mm -hmm. all of them uh they're usually somewhere like this either something chasing you or in a second game there's a puzzle where you have to like build cubes in your mind. And whilst you're doing so, the one player is on stairs that are like the steps are like moving away. And below the staircase is lava. So if you take too long or you get the wrong answer, the stairs will just disappear and that player dies. And you have to restart. And it turns out I just cannot build cubes in my head. It took me fucking yeah. ages to be able to, you know, like if you got like a load of squares and they're all like kind of flat packed, right? And you just, you just put them together to assemble a, a square. Turns out that's just impossible. It, it, it just seems to be impossible. It took me ages before it finally clicked how to do it. And you can tell, I mean, like my wife does all the DIY in our house, right? All of it. I don't do any of it. And this is why. I can't even put a fucking cube together. I can't even see a 2D shape in 3D. It's like impossible. So I don't know how I did it. It must have just been pure luck. But it certainly wasn't skill. It wasn't luck, mate. It was just time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of time. 
It was like an hour later and you thought, I think it's this one. And I put it in, you were like, yeah, okay, 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 okay. And then you knew from that point. It just took you a long time to get there. <laughs> it's like it's like school all over again. You know, they're just keeping me back after class. Two plus two, five. No, <laughs> you fucking dumbass. No. <laughs> Davey, were you, were you the child trying to put the square in the in the circle hole? Back in primary school, <laughs> trying to hit it through as hard as you can. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I'm that. I'm that person they compare monkeys to to see like what their skill level is. They just put me and a monkey together with just like a load of stuff, and they're like, right, make something. And that monkey's like, you know, they say if you put enough monkeys in a room, they'll they'll write Shakespeare, right? Well, if they put like a million of me, it ain't happening. It's just it it, it ain't happening at all. Just no chance. So yeah, a monkey's probably more suited to me when it comes to practical things so that's always good to know so that was a, a nice life lesson that i learned from uh we're here together and is that everything for you Spence? yeah mate that's more or less it for me like i said i've not really played much these last two weeks that's kind of it uh phil mate what have you been playing well lads i know this is a playstation primarily themed podcast um but i have been playing a pc game over the last two weeks I've dived into the new world. I don't know if you guys know a lot about this game. Is that the Amazon game? Or am I thinking of something else? Yeah. No, no, you're correct. It's the it's the MMO RPG uh, from Amazon. Um, so it's the WoW of uh, 2021. It was released on the 28th of September. Um, so the the setting of this game, um, it's a mid century, uh, sorry, mid 17th century. Um, kind of setting to it uh where players colonize a fictional land um after the americas so it's that kind of theme to it it's not mythical we're not going to the future we're not going too far into the past but mid 17th century isn't the name quite contradictory then what the new world it's not so new now i suppose it's quite old it's bit old actually you know yeah, but it was the new world when, when Chris Columbus went over there, wasn't it? And he started putting his... Yeah, but how long ago was that? That's old, you know? Yeah, it's beer old. But to them, it was the new world, wasn't it? You're just going over there and just killing some Indians then. Yeah, but we ain't them. We're playing a video game. It's the old world. I think a lot of people get it confused. Um, that It's, it's a pirate-themed game. Um, there's no ships in it. Um, I haven't been able to sail anywhere. It's landlocked at the moment. Um, of course, it's, it's, it's the first... Um, it's the vanilla of of world of warcraft so it's the first edition of the game so potentially all that'll come later um but there are no um ships or sea shanties that i've seen just yet anyway um that you can sail um so it's a little bit different to wow because it's a buy to play as opposed to a, a subscription-based method so with this game uh you buy the upfront cost i think i paid about 35 quid on steam i think it was about that um and and, and that's all you pay uh they make their money from sort of microtransactions on sort of vanity items uh, the same sort of model as um, something like League of Legends, um, which is a quite a novel way of getting into that competitive space that World of Warcraft has owned for so long. Um, I've played an hour here, an hour there, when I can sort of uh, find the time. Uh, I'm up to level 20, um, which is nothing compared to sort of uh, where my brothers are. I think he's around 45 now, top level being 60. Um, he's been hardcore in it compared to me, but um, we've all been able to uh, sort of interact and play together. Um, and I'm on the server jacket. If any of our listeners are thinking of uh, diving into the new world, and um, yeah, I'm looking to take it up, play it, but not as hardcore as I used to with WoW because 
I would not have a life and I would not be able to play PlayStation games ever, ever again. That's exactly what I was going to ask you, actually. I mean, on when we did the IGN Best Video Game of All Time, you said there about like you couldn't go back to WoW or anything like that because it just takes your life over and you have a life now, in your words. Um, I wasn't just putting a dig on you there. Thanks. Um, so you've kind of walked that back a little bit then. Have you, have you found like this happy medium then between being able to still have a life and play this game? Well, if I was doing this podcast and I was playing World of Warcraft, the only thing I could talk about for the whole podcast would be World of Warcraft. But I have been playing another game, which we'll move on to in a second. Okay. All right. Well, before we move over to it, we love a rating on this show. Can you give a rating on it yet so far for your hours that you put in? Um, I, it's going to be very hard because my only comparison is WoW. And I don't think the first 20 levels are anything on World of Warcraft. Uh, story-wise, um, you know, setting. Um, I wouldn't say the, the the bad guy variety is at the level of WoW. Um, but they are trying to position it very differently to WoW in the sense that it is buy-to-play. And... It is vanilla, so we don't know what's in the future. There's another, you know, a third of the way leveling. And as we know with MMOs, it doesn't really start until you get to end game. Most MMOs, like, you don't really see the heights of the game just yet. So uh, it's going to be very hard. Maybe when I get to 60, I'll give you guys a rating. But at the moment, I'm enjoying it enough to want to level to 60. Fair dues. Well, I mean, that's, that's a big enough, that's a big enough uh, praise on it, to be fair. I mean, like... You think about the time commitment that you have to do or you have to put in to these games to really get to that max level and to want to do that, that that's there's something to that. I mean, I wouldn't know because Don Perignon, when I played World of Warcraft, only got to like level 10. And that was enough for Your me. Your wargan. Yeah, my wargan. That was enough. In and out. Quick five minute chuck and uh, chuck in, chuck out, you know, just the, the way we like it, boys. Well, you talk about a time investment. Uh, I think a lot of my time uh, with this game, I would have been a much higher level, but they've had a bit of a, a situation with the queues. I don't know if you guys have noticed anything on Twitter about New World, um, but most people are, are moaning about the uh, the queue time on it. I think the first day uh, when I tried to get into it, I was like 105,000th in the queue or something, like ridiculous, right? And I, I, I could have never got in the server. It was that kind of situation. Um, so we quickly uh, picked a low pop server to be able to jump on. Um, so yeah, that that was kind of crazy the first um, week or so of that game. I think it's calmed down a lot now. And I know Amazon are trying to open up a few more servers, but still keep it at sort of a level where we're not just getting low pop servers all over the place, you know? That sounds insane. That sounds yeah. actually insane to be like a hundred and something odd thousand in the queue. Jesus. It just shows how popular the game was on launched and, and sort of, I suppose, how little servers Amazon actually opened up. Um, but some of this, I think, is quite strategic marketing in the sense that they want to show the game as being ultimately popular. If they didn't have any problem with queuing, then you wouldn't have heard about it in, 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 in the volume that has been on Twitter lately about the queue problem. You know, any, any exposure is good uh, exposure, I think, anyway. No, that's fair. And I'm glad that you found a new game that you can really like kind of sink your teeth into. And anything ultimately that takes you away from League of Legends, I'm quite happy with. Because I just find it a little bit depressive, really, that you haven't got the silver. So I think the, the more we can kind of skate past that and leave that in the past, the better for, for your mental health 
and for mine. Thanks, mate. I, I really appreciate that. You looking out for me like that is... Oh, this is why you're one of my best friends. One of one. A casual acquaintances at best, I suppose, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably fair. So what else have you been playing then? I, I bet I can guess what it is, but uh, our audience might be shocked to hear what it actually is. Okay, to uh, put everybody out of their misery, I have spent some time in Death Stranding Director's Cut. How are you finding it now? Did you start a new game after, or did you continue with your existing save? Um, so I, I continue with my existence save because I wanted to see all the sort of end game stuff, I suppose, if you like. What I've done, I've sort of picked out five things. These are the five biggest things that I've seen in the time that I've spent with the game. There is loads of content to this game, and there's way more than five different changes, but these are the biggest ones for me. So the game runs at 60 FPS, uh, the same as the PC version. This was originally 30 FPS uh, on the PS4. And as I mentioned um, in last episode, it's the most beautiful game I've ever seen. Ever seen. It is incredible. Some of those vistas, they just blow you away. And I know we've talked previously about the E3 pan. I'm doing that all day long. That's most of my time in Death Stranding. And that's why it comes in as my number one biggest standout. I didn't rate these, but I think naturally that's risen to the top. Do you think this looks better than Village? Yeah, 100%. It is lush. Wow. That is that is mega praise, because Village looks incredible. That's the Phil Hoy stamp of approval on that one. That's the be- most beautiful game I've ever seen. Wow. Huge praise. Huge praise. So what's the rest of the list? Okay, so we've got tons of customization. Uh, that was one of the first things I did with Sam and BB. Um, so there's lots of different things you can you can tag them up. There was some customization previously in the in the first iteration of the game, but this this goes to a whole new level. Lots of different colors, lots of different things you can dress the guys up with, um, and the same with the vehicles. Um, and his backpack, we've got trinkets now. Uh, we've always wanted to put a little tag on the back of uh, Sam's uh, backpack, so that's all possible now. Another point: monster is gone. Davey, you were a big fan of monster back in the day. Every time I get a lift off you, your car goes around the corner and rattles. Because it sounds like a can bank, doesn't it? It's full of monster cans. <laughs> it is. It is me. I gotta. I gotta start repping the brand. Eventually, they'll sponsor me. That's what I keep saying. But so far, haven't had a share. Haven't had anything. So nothing. Not even a letter to say well done. How do you still have teeth in your head? <laughs> well, maybe you want to switch brands. Just like Sam Bridges, he's moved over to Bridges Energy. That is the new energy drink for um, for Death Stranding. Um, no more monster, unfortunately, guys. So that that was kind of a shock when I went down to uh, to rest. Woke up in the morning, looked over, was my monster gone? That's crazy, actually. Because I, I I always kind of wondered this, right? Like with games, obviously you have licenses, don't you, for certain marketing deals? Yeah. And I've always kind of wondered how long they last for. And obviously, if the game hadn't been changed, if it hadn't been re-released as a director's cut, it would have always remained as monster, right? I can't imagine they'd patch that out. But I wonder if there is scope for that. You know, like in games where there's billboards and there's advertisements on there, and there's the occasional game where they put real-life adverts in there, and they're on there for like a certain window, and then they repatch those? Yeah. I wonder if they do that with assets and stuff. Like, get, I don't know, like Nike, he's wearing Nikes. And then three months down the line, he's wearing Reeboks. You know, stuff like that. I wonder if there's potential for that. It's a good shout, because if you think of like games like, I suppose, the ones that spring to my mind straight away is something like Gran Turismo, right? Or, or, or sort of FIFA, you know, the amount of boards that are on the side. Could they not have, you know, um, different sponsorship at different times of the year, depending on what's happening? You know, the World Cup's coming up. 
then we get some of the World Cup sponsors as opposed to the normal sponsors that you might see at Anfield or, or one of the big stadiums. Uh, the thing that springs to mind for me is, um, have you boys ever played Burnout Paradise? Yeah, I have, yeah. I'm fairly sure that game has posters around of, like, Barack Obama's campaign. Really? I think so, if I'm not wrong. I think some racing game had it. I think it was Been on Paradise. That's crazy. Do you remember when, when Phil was saying about, you know, Trump in God of War? Yeah. It actually happened. I was right all along. <laughs> the, amount of thing, the amount of times I've just said things and they're right. It's crazy, isn't it? like the simpsons it's almost like i'm sat in front of a computer and googling things as i'm talking (laughs) madness it's an absolute madness i suppose if you talk so much shit eventually one piece of that's going to be a golden nugget in it eventually eventually well if, if you think about the edits when i do an edit a lot of the stuff i talk about is right and fact but on other edits maybe i come across as if maybe i don't know as much so that's the magic of editing guys Fingers crossed I'm right with this one. Okay, so we've got some PC exclusives um, over in Death Stranding's Director's Cut. Uh, We've got all the Half-Life and Cyberpunk assets, which is kind of interesting. Um, One of the first missions I did was to collect a uh, companion cube uh, and bring it back as a delivery. And I got rewarded with the Gordon glasses. Ooh. So, yep, Sam Porterbridge is walking around and he's got Gordon Freeman glasses on. Looks stylish. And my final one. To round it off, um, I know you like the DualSense boys. You're a big fan of the new handset. And the way this is implemented into Death Stranding Director's Cut is the way it sort of handles cargo, okay? So Sam will be walking along. You'll put something in a backpack, and you hold the two triggers to sort of hold the straps on, on your backpack to, like, steady yourself when you're going over rocks. As that weight increases, those triggers become harder to press. It's a really kind of immersive way of like showing you weight in the game, which is quite unique, I think. What I've always wanted to know with this, and I suppose the thing I'm going to be kind of testing when I eventually get around to it after I finish off the rest of Death Month games that I got in my backlog, is when you're walking over different surfaces, do they have a different feel? Like, can you notice them in the in the rumble of the pad? The haptics, yeah. Yeah, like in the haptics, like say you're going over sand or you're going over like rocky terrain. Or you're going over snow, like when you're in the top of the mountains. Have you noticed anything like that at all? Nothing that sort of stands out to me so far, but leave me with that question. And then the next time I bring it up, because I'm going to continue probably playing both of these games I've mentioned, but I need to slot something in for a two weeks time, so I'm not just repeating myself. Um, I'll answer that question, because the way I'm thinking about it, there is some sort of difference in the feeling when you're walking over things. Um, and especially in the interaction you have with BB. Whenever you go over sort of rocky things, BB will talk to you, or not talk to you, but scream and make little noises. And generally, when you go over the more rocky surfaces, you'll hear more from BB. And of course, in the dual sense, you've got your little speaker in the dual sense, and that's where BB communicates to you. Nice. And have you actually managed to, like, calm BB? I know before you were saying that it was like one of the last trophies you did for your platinum was actually like soothing BB, which is something I did like immediately when I played the game. Do you take more care for BB now? Um, or are you I, still quite a negligent father? I Well, I'm not a father in real life just yet, but maybe this is just training for the future next couple of years. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but no, unfortunately, actually, no, I haven't, to, to tell you the truth. I haven't taken BB out and given him a little rock just yet, but I probably should now. They've got him in the haptics. Yeah. <laughs> so it's only if he's going to do something for you. 
you're going to rock him. Or, Only or, if you get to feel something. Or a trophy, which I already or got. A- so, and um, just to update our listeners, um, if you have um, platinumed the original Death Stranding and you upgrade um, to the PS5 edition of Death Stranding Director's Cut, all your trophies do move over. Yes! I was hyped for this. I was I was going to ask you this next, actually, so I'm so glad you got there first. Mm-hmm. This was exactly how Spider-Man did it for the Spider-Man Remastered. It's like an immediate platinum immediately. So well, y- you've gained a platinum this week, then. Well, it's not a platinum because some of the trophies are for building everything within the game. And as I touched on, there's a lot of new content. So I actually haven't built everything in the game yet. So the trophies are kind of marked on your situation where you are within the game currently. Fantastic. Which is an interesting way of doing it. They're not just giving you it and then saying, okay, you've got like, I don't know, uh, the, the cargo launcher as well, because that's a new structure. You've got to be able to build that before you get the trophy, which you were previously awarded when you actually built everything. But in this game, there's more to build. So it's a that's really fantastic. intelligent way of doing it, I think. That's much better, actually, mm. because the lazy way of doing it would have been just to add like an extra plus icon, right? And had like these extra additional trophies. Yeah. But to go back and to change the requirement of the trophy of what makes it pop is actually a really nice little feature that they didn't have to do. So, yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think that's really cool, actually. I think the attention to, the, to detail in this game is, is, is a step beyond. Obviously, I, I glamorize everything to do with Death Stranding. I, I look at it with rose-tinted glasses. It is the perfect game for me. It would have won... Um, not to give away, it wasn't actually even in IGN's best game of all time, but it would have won it probably for me. Probably, 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 probably not. Um, um, but they're, they're my top five picks. I might mention some more next time uh, we're on the episode, if you'll allow me to speak about Death Stranding, if you haven't implemented a button by then. Um, and I've not even mentioned the new missions, which I haven't even got to yet, which I'm ultimately excited about. So uh, that's the next thing on my list, list to tick off. Well, before I kind of take over, I want to ask Spence something about Death Stranding, actually. Spence, obviously you never played it, and you were saying about how you wanted to get round to it, and you were waiting for this director's cut as a way to dive in. When do you foresee yourself actually getting in and playing this game? Do you reckon you'll get it played before the end of the year? No chance, I reckon, because it's a Kojima game, and I've not really played any of them i think i want to go back and play all the metal gears before going on to death stranding just so i can get into the mind of kojima you'll never get into the mind of kojima san it's impossible mate i think death stranding and metal gear in my mind are quite different animals i think you could just play death stranding without playing any previous but Go into it, obviously, with all the knowledge I've given you over the last, how many episodes we've done? 26, 27 episodes about Death Stranding. You know it's going to be weird. Yeah. But just accept it, go with it, strap yourself in and enjoy it. And turn up the music. The music's incredible. I've heard. I've heard, mate. I do still think I'll play the Metal Gears first. I don't know why. It's just, I've always wanted to play them. So I think this kind of gives me more reason to. Well, once I've uh, finished my PS5 version, Spence, you're more than happy to borrow it, son, all right? Wicked, mate. Thank you. Let's move this on. Davey, what have you been playing over these last two weeks? Well, I've got two things to talk about. And the first I'll talk about is something I only played for about two hours, and I played it last night. And that was Hell Let Loose, the new game that's part of PlayStation Plus this month. I played it with, listening to the show, and friend of the show, 
Willard. I did put the invite out to you guys, but for some reason, you just didn't attend. New World. Uh, uh, didn't want to tell you. Nice. What is that well, then? <laughs> we got a split. <laughs> to we be fair, split. this was my time to shine. What was I doing? I should have said Spencer's out straight in. I'm the super <laughs> sub. Come on, this is my time to shine. Oh, I've missed it. I've missed it, haven't I? You missed your chance, mate. You missed your it's chance. It's Willard now, mate. It's Willard now. Willard. Maybe and Willard. Well, me and Willard went in and we tried the game. Now, guys, I'm going to let you in on a bit of a secret here. This game ain't what you think it is, right? I went into this. Now, listeners, you can check this out on PlayStation Plus now for yourself. It is live if you've got a PlayStation 5. If you've got PS4, you can't play this. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse, to be honest with you. Because I went into this game, it's 50v50. It's a World War II shooter. And I thought, hmm, what else has a massive player count as a shooter? And I remember Mag on PS3. I was just about to say that. Yeah, Mag. Mag, what a classic game. And I thought, right, it's going to be like that, where it's just chaos, right? Everything's just anarchy. No, it's not. Turns out this game is a tactical, real-life World War II shooter. So do you know what that means? It means you're lying there in the grass in a massive fuck-off wood, can't see anybody, you stand up for a second, you're dead. You're dead in, like, one hit, right? It's not COD. I tried playing it like COD. Obviously, coming off the Vanguard beta, where I was an absolute god, I came down from my slope on... My mat slope. Come on. It was a mountain on the top of Krakatoa, right? I'm on top of the volcano looking out on all the peasants down there. Come down from there. And then it turns out reality is cruel because I got bodied. I got absolutely destroyed in this game. And what makes it worse is there's so many people like kind of knocking about, but the map is fucking ridiculous. So you spawn and if you don't have a vehicle next to you, you're waiting 15 minutes before you get back in combat because you're running across the entire map, right? You get there, immediately die. So I was like, right, I'm going to become a medic and I'm just going to heal everyone. And what happened was there was this hut in the middle of this field and there was all these soldiers there that were just dying, dying, dying. I thought I'm going to get there as the medic, sneak up, and I'm just going to heal everyone. And I just did that, right? And I just managed to survive long enough that all my, all my teammates, all like 50 of my teammates were dying around me and I was just continually healing them. And we ended up with this garrison of soldiers of like 25 of us that were just crouched behind this thing. And then we all just decided to sprint towards the enemy. And so we all just bolted and they're all dropping all around us. And then a mortar just comes in and just kills us. And, and that was it. And I was like, okay. So me and Willow went back to basics. And we changed to become a class called a tank commander. And then you have a crewman. And they're the only people that can ride in tanks. It's a specific role. We thought, brilliant. Get in a tank, get right in the thick of it, start fucking taking some scalps. The tank's realistic. So what that means is you've got to, when you get in, you hold X to start the engine. Then you've got to change gears as you go. So we're spending about 10 minutes trying to figure out how to change gears, how to actually get it moving. And then we come across a corner and we think, right, we'll just take this corner. We'll fly around it. No, turns out 
I had to get out while I was driving and guide him round. Like as if you're trying to help somebody into a really tight parking space. And it took us forever. I was like, a little more to the left, a little more to, to the right, to the right. Reverse it now, reverse it now. It took us about 15 minutes to get around a corner for the first ever time. We got into the action. Didn't see a single person on this massive ass road that we drove down for 20 minutes. We got right into the end of the enemy's base and we captured the end objective and won. Didn't see any combat, nothing. One until three games later, I actually got my first kill. And you don't know when you're actually hitting somebody because there's no hit markers. So because there's no actual sights, because it's World War II, you're like firing through iron sights from fucking two miles away with a, with a rifle. You don't know if someone dropped because you killed them or not. You have no idea. So the only time I know I killed somebody was because we went to this barn and there was this guy in there sniping. Willard ran through the front, got absolutely nailed. I ran around the side and jumped up and jumped onto his back and then point blank shot him in the head, right? And just killed him. You get no score. You get nothing. You've got no way of knowing if you've done very good or not at all. There's no way. This game is tragically bad. It is so bad. I do not have words. I think if you were in a clan where you had like 20 of you and you split it all up into different divisions and you said, right, you guys are going here, we're going there, we're going here. I think you could have a lot of fun with it. But going in with two people in a match of 50, it's just, it just seems kind of aimless. And at the same time, it feels really unrewarding to play. Guys, I think you saved yourself from that because we had more fun being the tank boys and taking a corner than we did actually shooting our gun we had more fun just driving and figuring out how to drive and just laughing at ourselves oh and this this friendly fire on so we got really bored at one point we got out of our tank and we just started killing every single one of our own soldiers and what happens is when you do that you get a penalty they can apply a penalty to you and I was like, oh, I don't know what that penalty means. doesn't matter. So we were killing everyone, right? We killed like most of our squad. We were just driving up and just point blank shooting them with the Thompson. Killing everyone. It adds 10 seconds to your respawn time. I had a five minute respawn because of how many people I killed. That's funny. <laughs> it, That's class. It's insane. It's insane. But the game's just not very fun. So being a, a like a more realistic shooter um, compared to COD, I suppose you're not jumping over buildings or uh, no, you know. there's no no quick scoping on this. That's no, for damn no sure. No quick scoping. Um, has this convinced you to join the army, then, Davy? It's convinced me that my granddad, right, was a World War Two tank driver, and I always thought, wow, that must have been really exciting. He must have been bored out of his fucking head, because honest to God, that was the most boring session I've had. If it wasn't for Willard there and us just cracking up, killing our own teammates, I would have been bored out of my skull. So, yeah, it turns out being a tank driver in World War II, not a very glamorous career. Not very glamorous at all. So, no, I think in the army, it's convinced me that I'm just going to die a senseless death. And it'll be a lot longer than a five-minute um, respawn time. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'm not Buddhist, so I got no chance of coming back. So there's... Ooh, what would you come back as? This is an interesting question. And you can't come back as a bra. It has to be a living... <laughs> like an animal normally, isn't it? 
I know your bra. mind. I know your mind. You would have gone straight to bra. <laughs> That's brilliant. That is so That's brilliant. Class. Um, I think if I was to come back as anything, right? I'd come back as a great white shark, I think. Oh, you love those. I love great white sharks. They're just so baller. And, you know, if you had your human brain in the shark's brain, right? So then when you swim in, every time you swim in, you just go in, dun you're permanently happy right there's no there's no reality in that that you're not happy i'm not sure i'm not sure that's how buddhism works but if it did we should all convert definitely that would be amazing it would be incredible but let's move away from that piece of shit game right and let's move on to something that i actually genuinely love so guys you know i was talking about last episode that i was going to play Deathloop. Well, it turns out the Life is Strange True Colors came through the, through the letterbox. And I've played it, and I've platinumed it. So this week on the podcast is a triple platinum episode. I've got three platinums in the last two weeks, so I'm at now at 90 platinums. So I'm getting close Jeez. to my 100 for the year, oh, for the end of the year. Very, very good. Very nice. Do you have anything you're going to celebrate with if you do get that 100th platinum? I am indeed. I am indeed. My 100th Platinum is going to be Resident Evil 1. I can say it here. It's totally safe here. There's no button on what we've been playing, Phil. Damn, damn, damn. You should have left so it till later. You saw my reaction, people on YouTube. You should have left it till later, mate. Yeah, it's going to be Resident Evil 1. That's going to be my 100th Platinum. That's what I'm going to go back and get. But, guys, I've got to tell you about Life is Strange True Colors. It is incredible. It is one of the best games I've played this entire year. When we come to do our end of year game of the year for the podcast, it's going to feature in there without a shadow of a doubt. It's sensational. Do you remember when I was talking about Life is Strange 2 and I said the problem with Life is Strange 2 was that the characters that they had, they're like a revolving cast that it's not like 10 people that you really get to know. You're kind of moving from situation to situation, town to town, and and this kind of like characters walk in and walk out of the adventure. Yeah, you, you did mention about that, not building any affinity to the characters you're playing or, or, or around. So you don't really care too much about what happens to them. Yeah, well, this game, they seem to have really just gone back to what made the first Life is Strange so effective. So here, it's a really, really close story. It's a story about family, essentially, and finding home. You play as a, a girl called Alex Chen, who has a superpower. So just like all life is strange, there's superpowers in there. Her superpower is that she's an empath. So she can feel other people's emotions. It's, it's just, it's an awesome power in the end, because what it means is you not just feel the emotion that the, the other person is feeling, you can read their thoughts and you can feel like what's making them feel that way. And that can then open up different dialogue trees and different options for you to take. And then you get into different moral dilemmas of either taking that emotion away from them and taking it onto yourself to then spare them the pain, but then you feel it or not. And that changes then your character traits going forward, kind of like how you respond to stuff. Like if you take someone's fear, you might then be scared of that thing in the future, or you might make like kind of irrational decisions and and things like that. And it, it kind of opens up these extra doors. But what it is really, in its essence, without spoiling anything, because this game has some major spoilers very early on, and I'm not going to go into them, it's a story all around finding your home, and you kind of gel with about seven characters throughout the entire experience, and they're in it from the start to the end. And it's just 
sensational. And just like the first one, it's heavily reliant on music. And the music is awesome. It's all just indie rock, but it's all being added to my Spotify playlist. I love it. I honestly, listeners, if you can find this game for, I mean, for me, it's worth full price, right? Definitely. But if you want to take a, a punt at it and give it a go, you haven't played any of the Life is Strange games before, you don't need to with this one, pick it up. Honestly, if you can get it for like 30, 40 quid, it's a steal at that point. It's an absolute steal. Full price is definitely worth it. Now, I loved it so much that I paid extra and upgraded to the deluxe version after completing the game so I could get one extra chapter. I adore this game. Easily better than the second one and probably tied with the first one. Just a quick Google check on that one. Um, for our multi-platform uh, listeners, not always PlayStation, you can get uh, Life is Strange True Colors a PC version for as little as £25. Uh, so something to uh, think about if you want to jump into that game. Definitely. Take me through. How many hours would it be just to complete the game, to go through the story, um, and then the additional stuff? What sort of time base are we looking at? Sure. So to run through the entire game, it all kind of depends on how you play it, right? So much like with um, Resident Evil or any of the games like that, I can say it here. I'm doing it now just to get Every a Every time you. you say it, my eyes flick up. I know they do. That's why yeah, I'm doing I'm it I'm so now. on edge whenever we record to say that word. And <laughs> I, I don't even say it normally, right? I, I was talking to my next door neighbor about video games, which I love, right? And, and I said, Portal 2, Death Stranding, and the game that cannot be mentioned. I'm not even on the podcast. <laughs> this is what you've done to me, boys. I could just Mate, never... This, I've done the exact same I thing. I could just never say it's, the it's name. It's happened to me as well. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, in terms of playtime, it's split into five chapters. Each of those chapters took me about two and a half hours. I'd say with extra, because I did a lot of exploring, my playtime was close to 12 hours by the time I wrapped the game. Platinum probably took about 13 hours. The, to get the Platinum is really just a case of just a couple of collect. It's just it's just five collectibles per chapter. It's twenty five collectibles, really easy to find, especially with like a guide or something. Um, and there's a collectible mode. So after you complete the game, you can just go in, skip like load of dialogue, skip load of cutscenes, and just find those collectibles just for the trophies. So it's a really really easy simple platinum. But the story itself and the the character and world building that it does is so effective that to me it took me about three. Yeah, about three hours per chapter, I'd say. I'd say that's probably fair. Two and a half to three hours. I probably spent on each one. What What did you think about the inclusion of the flag of Tibet in the game? I gotta say, I didn't even notice it. I honestly didn't even notice it. I mean, like, Tibet, Tibet is a country. I mean, I know that's... I know people in China or whatever probably got a problem with it. I got no issue. I got no issue with that at all. Okay, you can tell I've been reading the wiki as you've been speaking. Um, some of the audience uh, responses was the Chinese reviewed bomb the game actually for inclusion of the uh, flag of Tibet. Uh, so that that's why I brought it up. So, but if you say you didn't even notice it, I suppose. Well, why would you be looking for it? I suppose. But the the Chinese audience obviously picked up on that and uh, definitely plummeted the ratings on the Metacritic and that. I suppose this is probably a good point actually to say something that I found quite divisive about the second one. So the second one, obviously, one of my problems I have with it. I don't know if I voiced this too much when we actually covered it in what we've been playing a few episodes ago, but it was it was so on the nose, right, with that game, with its like kind of its political message, that it was actually quite hard to play because it didn't handle it in a very good way. Whereas this game doesn't do that. This game has a lot of diversity, 
and it has a lot of um, kind of big topics, but they're not on the nose. They're just like characters or the things that are happening to people and they all feel like they do in real life. So you've got a lot of people that are, that are gay or lesbian or bi or whatever it is, right? Black, Asian, white, what, whatever the color. But it doesn't feel like as if, oh, it's been put in there to tick a box. It doesn't because it feels there's so much character there that it feels natural, which is how the best games do that. I mean, like, you know, with The Last of Us, with Ellie being a lesbian, it's not like, oh my god, they're just putting this in there for the sake of it. No, that's just her character, right? And the best games do it do it in that way, where you don't even notice it because it's it's just purely natural, just like it actually obviously is. Whereas if you do something like in Life is Strange 2, where they're like, time to crash through the Trump wall to escape to Mexico, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> right? It's like so on the nose because you're playing as Mexicans. It, it's just like, it's so, it just cringes you. It just makes you cringe. This game doesn't commit any of those sins. So that is it for me, guys. There's nothing else for me to cover. I think it's time for a bit of quick news. Quick news. Quick news. The PS Plus games for October are as follows. Hell Let Loose for PS5, the game we mentioned earlier. Mortal Kombat X for PS4, which is already part of the PS Plus collection on PS5. PGA Tour 2K21, which is a golf game for PS4, and an extra additional game, because there was quite a bit of backlash for these games, is Castlevania uh, Requiem, which is Castlevania Rondo of Blood and Castlevania Symphony of the Night on PS4. Quick news! Fire Sprite have grown even larger. PlayStation Studios have acquired Manchester-based Fabric Games, and they will now join the Fire Sprite team, boosting its overall headcount up to 265, which makes it one of the biggest studios in the entirety of the UK. Fabric and Fire Sprite were previously all part of Studio Liverpool, makers of the Wipeout series, until it was closed by PlayStation in 2012. There's still no word on what they're working on, but with the band back together, is sure to be something special. PlayStation Vita and PlayStation 3 delete payment methods from their store. Unfortunately, you'll only be able to use the PSN credit from now on, guys. Quick news. It turns out that Chris Judge, the voice actor for Kratos in God of War and God of War Ragnarok, is the reason for the delay. It turns out that during development of the game, Chris had to undergo back surgery, a dual hip replacement, and knee surgery. And it was because of this that the development of the game was put on pause. Uh, the developers did this so that he could recover efficiently and in his own time. And personally, I think it was a really cool move from the developers. Fucker put no oil in! Quick news. Bluepoint have now become part of the PlayStation family. Finally, the rumours have come true, and Bluepoint, the kings of remakes, are now under the umbrella. Zoom, 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 zoom. Quick news. PlayStation Now's library is receiving seven brand new games, guys. 
Uh, so for those who subscribe to PlayStation Now, you'll be able to play The Last of Us Part 2, Fallout 76, Desperados 3, The Amnesia Collection, Final Fantasy VIII, Remastered, Yet Another Zombie Defense, Victor Vran's Overkill Edition. So look out for those guys. Right, there's a few things I've got to mention to you before we move it on to Rumor Has It. So the first is that, just a reminder, if you want to vote on SpoilerCast from the past, the first ever episode, your time is running out. You've got until the end of October to cast your vote. Now, just a reminder for what that is, SpoilerCast from the past is where we are going back and looking at a game in depth and doing a full spoiler cast for a game that isn't really talked about anymore or one that certainly isn't new. That's for damn sure. So we've each come prepared with one game for the spoiler cast from the past and it's up to you guys which game we're actually going to cover. Now I've put forward the best game of all time, Metal Gear Solid. I'm taking you right back to PS3 and we're going to be playing Heavy Rain if you get the vote for my game. And I'm taking you even further back to the PS2, playing the original Devil May Cry. So we got a classic selection of PlayStation games here. And as I said, guys, it's up to you. You can find the poll in the description of the podcast and in the YouTube description. So don't delay. Vote today. Another little bit of quick news from us. We have a supplemental episode that has just released. It's called Redo IGN Best Video Game of All Time. And it's where we take their bracket that they made up of all the best games. And instead of their terrible decisions, or I guess the world's terrible decisions, because it was user voted, we give our personal opinions and certify which game we think deserves the title of Best Video Game of All Time. The second part of this little episode is going to be released a week from the launch of this episode. So it means, guys, you lucky bastards, you're going to get three weeks in a row of NPS We Trust. I mean, what kind of value is that? That's surely worth you putting a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, because that's the biggest way that you can help this podcast. Now, if you want to take ownership and kind of write into the show and steer where we take this beautiful bastard of a show, then the best way to do it is to write into the email. You can do that by writing into pswetrust at gmail.com. Of course, we have our own Reddit page like most podcasts do, but things are kicking off over there now. So you should you should head over, sign yourselves up and get involved in the conversation. The URL will be included within the description below. And also, guys, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at MPSWeTrust or any of our individual Twitter accounts in the description below. And on that note, it's time for us to move it into Rumour Has It. Kick it! Wake up with a rumour and you don't want to go. You ask if it's confirmed and they still say no. Okay, guys, rumour has it that we're going to get to see a Resident Evil 3... Kind of just said it on purpose. We're going out drinking tomorrow. I'd have a shot. I'll tell you what. Hold on. I'll tell you before. Yeah. Whilst we were talking in quick news, I typed Phil's name next to it, so he had to read it. 
totally 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 fine to be fair i haven't said it for a long long time so resident evil resident evil resident evil so guys rumor has it we're getting a resident evil nemesis edition um coming out soon there's been a lot of talk you can't buzz me every single time i can't this this is the same as when we're not drinking normally every single time you say the game that can't be mentioned you got a shot mate so you got two lined up now i'm letting the three go that you did just on a little whim i'm letting that go Fine. whatever you we've all got to enjoy again, ourselves baby. at some point haven't we right let's start this again rumor has it guys the game that cannot be mentioned three nemesis edition apparently that's going to be coming out hitting our shelves very very soon there's going to be a re-release of the game that cannot be mentioned remake containing the clock tower. I know there's been a lot of chat on Twitter about these being faked, but have you guys seen this pop up on your timelines? I'd not seen this at all until I'd read the doc and I saw it and thought, oh my God, that's sick. I can't wait for this. And so because I read that, I looked it up a little bit. It seems cool. It seems cool. I'm going to buy it, obviously, if it's true. Um, do you know what it actually entails, this new edition of the game? So all I've seen floating around Twitter is a lot of um, uh, covers and kind of listings for it in, in, in Japanese um, kind of sales uh, websites and things like that. Um, so you're believing this rumor straight away, uh, Spence. Right off the bat, you're believing this. It's not a case of believing. It's a case of willing it into existence, I think. Because I would love to see it happen. And if it doesn't, I'll be beer sad. And that's it. So just for the audience, do you want to fill in exactly what you've learned so far about what it actually entails? Uh, Yeah, sure, mate. So upon looking it up, the leak says that there are going to be new weapons. Uh, Resistance mode is going to be revamped with new features and game modes. There's going to be a minor graphics update for next gen and the addition of ray tracing. FSR and DLSS 2.0 on PC, which doesn't matter because we're all PlayStation gamers here. Updated story with references to Village and game we can't mention for remake. Almost did it. And they're going to rework Nemesis. He's going to be using a flamethrower and a rocket launcher outside of boss battles and apparently is going to be following you into most safe rooms. However, he's going to be slower. Okay, so... Is there, did you say in that, I might have just, might have just missed it. I was just thinking about the fact that we're going to get ray tracing in, uh, in the game that can't be mentioned three. Is there going to be the clock tower? Is the clock tower coming back? Does it From what that? I've seen, this expanded version of the remake will bring new content, such as new cutscenes and new areas, including the police station and clock tower, which will be shorter and different from the original. Wow. Anyone who follows me on YouTube knows that the game that can't be mentioned 3, the original version on PlayStation 1, is one of my favorites in the series. I adore that game. Now, I was on board, and as, as I've stated on this podcast many times, which you guys have all actually agreed with me on this, is that the way they kind of visualized the remake is really good. It kind of streamlines it. It makes it a really focused affair from start to finish. But... The biggest critique this game had was the amount of people that said all the cut content's gone. The clock tower is a massive piece of the original game and that just wasn't there. And so people were annoyed about that. So to be able to give that back if it's true is a big deal. Now in terms of me, I am not buying this for a fucking second. There is no way in hell this is real. 
I'm talking no way. When this game was released, it was originally intended to release upon the second entry, which was remade. They were supposed to release together, and that just never turned out to happen because of project delays. There's no way. There's better things they can do, especially when they're working on the fourth entry, to be remade. Why would they, why would they go back and redo this again? Sure, it only sold like 3.9 mil, but when you compare that to the older titles, oh my god, I suddenly said it. When you compare it to the older titles, that's not bad in terms of sales. I mean, sure, 5, 6, and hell, even 7 and 8 have sold really, really well. But historically, the series has, has, done, has done good. But if it sold over 5 mil, that would, be, that would be incredible. So it's kind of on track for what it sold with its original entry. So I'm not buying this, but I don't know about you guys. Well, Spencer's saying he believes it. You're, you're saying you don't believe it. I, I'm on the side of you, and I'm on the side of the people that I follow um, for the game that cannot be mentioned, the name that's on your T-shirt. Um, so I follow that community on Twitter, and a lot of them are saying, no, 100%, this, this ain't happening. Um, obviously, they've, got, they've gone into a lot more depth than maybe I can in these couple of minutes I've got to speak about it, but I'm just not believing it. The same sort of vein as you, there are so many other games within that series, let's choose the words uh, carefully, that could be remade. Obviously, we've got Code Veronica. You know, that, that sticks out to me as a possible one that they could jump to. Zero has never had any attention um, since its original release on, on the GameCube back in the day. So there's other games that could possibly deserve a shot before number three. Hell, even last episode we were talking about Outbreak. Outbreak's the one, right? Like, if you're not going to do Code Veronica, you've got to do Outbreak. Nobody, why, do people care that much? I mean, just let it go. It might not have been for you, but just let it go. Don't spread a load of shit and just get people's hopes up because it just dashes them all when it's definitely not true. What What about a, a remake of Survivor, Gun Survivor? You know, do it in VR. Why not? I would rather eat a barrel of a shotgun than play that game again. That game... No matter how much you remake it, you can't polish a turd. And that's exactly what that game is. It's like saying they, they should remake Gaiden. I'd rather fucking end it all. I would literally rather just jump out the window right now than play Gaiden in any form ever again in my life. Davey, I've watched your review. The same as a lot of our listeners. And you actually liked the story of that game. You just got caught in this weird loop, which made you replay the game a couple of times. If they did that properly and they fleshed it out to be a full game, following that kind of journey, you know, it's even got your boy Barry as the main character. How are you how are you downplaying this game as a remake? Come on. Oh, it would just need to be completely different. It would have to be so different that it's not even remotely the same game. You know, like when we talk about like uh, Demon Souls, right? And that's had a remake or Shadow of the Colossus had a remake. Or Final Fantasy VII had a remake. There's still points in there. They're like, okay, you can point that to the original. I don't want anything, anything that points it back to the original. Well, as we know, we've, we've got a couple of people that work at Capcom listening to it. So hello, Capcom. If you are listening, if you've got it on in the office, I know everyone's going back to the office after COVID. So if you've got this on at the COVID, uh, if you've got this uh, episode of MPS We Trust on at the uh, Capcom offices, I volunteer. I'll volunteer us three uh, to, to remake that and help you remake uh, Gu uh, Gaiden. 
Fucking count me out, mate. Nice little project for us. Side project from the podcast. Main, mainly podcasters, secondary, the game that cannot be mentioned, remakers. I'll tell you what, boys. I've had a thought during your conversation. And I think I've changed my mind upon this being legit. Because granted, I didn't really think it was legit. I just wanted it to be. Um, but then I remembered, we've seen Capcom leaks. This isn't on there. <laughs> that's that's true, yeah. It's it's not on there. It was on the... Um, you remember last episode we were talking about the leaks that came out of part of that uh, NVIDIA leak? NVIDIA. It was on yeah. there. And a lot of that stuff now has obviously come out to be fake or to be just completely wrong. Yeah. And that's what people are saying for this. They're saying that the reason why it was on that NVIDIA leak is because it's been updated now. And they're saying that it's going to be updated to just add kind of an advert in for the new movie um, just into the into the title, just like they did for when the third entry came out in the second entry. Oh, my God, so hard to do this. And um, and you had like extra files in from from Jill and stuff like that. It's just yeah. it's just like a little thing like that. Guys, this might be a long shot. But just imagine it's a code name for another of the games within the series. So the third entry of the series is code name for the fourth or the remake of Code Veronica. But they've put that in there to throw people off and to build that hype. It's a possibility. You never know. Those tricky developers. It could be linking back to the rumor that we covered a few episodes ago, probably about five episodes ago, for... Um, oh my God. Outrage. I, I, just, I just about to say it. Yeah. I was just about to say what it was. Yeah, Outrage, yeah, which is basically Revelations 3. So it, it could very well be that. But, uh, I mean, Christ, none of us really are buying this. If it comes out, we'll be surprised. I mean, we'll all get it day one, won't we, guys? Yeah. Thanks. I've already ordered it, mate. I've ordered it from Japan. <laughs> Someone's taken my credit card. <laughs> Sounds trustworthy. But, yeah, it, it, yeah, don't hope for this, listener, because I'm telling you it ain't happening. So, boys, rumour has it the newly PlayStation-acquired studio, Bluepoint, is working on two brand new games, one original and one a remake of a beloved older game. That's it. That's all the information I can give you. What What are your thoughts? You got any speculations? What do you think it could be? Are you excited for the thought of a Bluepoint original game? Lay it on me. I gotta say, I'm kind of gutted that they're actually going to do something original. Because I just want them to focus on these remakes because they do such a stellar job with it. And I suppose it's like when we talked about in a previous episode, we said about like uh, studios going out and doing something new and how I was kind of against that. I wanted them to be kind of typecast into doing what they always did in a very good way. Um, now, there's one thing that's been kind of... I've seen people bounding it about on Twitter, but there's no real basis for this. They're saying the beloved game that's going to be remade is Bloodborne. It doesn't need it, though. It just doesn't need it, and so I don't buy it for a second. I just do not buy it. I don't give it any credence at all. I, I mean, do you? how do you feel about that, I Spence? mean, I'd, I would buy it. I'd buy it immediately. Frame oh, yeah. one. Pre-order yeah, it, deluxe edition, all that. But you're completely right. It doesn't need it at all. All Bloodborne needs is leave it exactly the same, 60 FPS. That is it. Just remaster. Yeah. Yeah, either definitely. remaster or just game boost that's it it doesn't need a remake that's crazy yeah it's mad the the thing i'm thinking is if they do an original game what could they do i mean sure you could probably you could speculate out your arsehole right it could be literally anything 
The thing I think would make sense, especially after doing Demon Souls, they own the Bloodborne IP. And if FromSoft aren't doing it, maybe these are the guys to do it. They did Demon Souls better than FromSoft did. And sure, they had the blueprint there to be able to do it. But hell, I'd definitely trust them with, with giving her a shot on Bloodborne 2. I mean, they also did it years, years, years later, where technology had, has, yeah. has advanced a lot more. But also, if this new original game is going to be Bloodborne 2, that makes me believe that the beloved game is Bloodborne 1. Because it could be a package deal. Yeah, it could be. It could very well be. I mean, it could be something that, yeah, they, they say, yeah, we're, we're doing this. And by the way, and they just show literally just like a hunter just walk out of the shadows or something. Ah! Everyone go mental, right? It would be, it would be nuts. For me, if they were going to do anything, they could do anything again from, from PlayStation back catalog. You're right, yeah. <laughs> It'd be Metal Gear Solid. Of course it would. Why wouldn't it be, right? It has to be. Surely, please, just put it in my fucking hands already. I just want it. I just want it so fucking badly. But what are you guys thinking? What are you thinking they could possibly be working on in the future? And what do you think it could be for the beloved game? Anything that you really want to see, even if it's not likely? So, Davey, I'm all up for giving them a try. We only have to look at how Housemark did, where they came with their new IP and just blew everybody out of the water with what they've done with Returnal. So I'm really excited to see what their original games are. I'm not worried about it. Why not? Let's give, let's, let's give them a chance. You know, they can always come out with one, see how it goes, and then we'll build up to the second. Let's see what they can do. But cast your minds back to the last episode where we were talking about what games would we like to see brought back from the past? And one of the titles that I am a massive fan of and really sad that it didn't really go anywhere after the first edition of the game was Heavenly Sword. I don't see why we couldn't bring that back. It's a beloved character. You know, people used to play um, the main character. can't remember her name at the time. That's how beloved she is. Um, mega beloved. Um, but, but she featured in PlayStation All-Stars. That's how beloved she is. So why why not? It's a dead IP at the moment, so let, let, let's bring it back. Fair enough. Spence, have you got any ideas? No, I don't know. I would like to see maybe an old Persona game come back, like Persona 4 or Persona 3, because the, the very old Persona games are aged so bad, really poorly, and they're fantastic games. So if those be remade, that'd be really cool. But there's no shot. <laughs> there's no chance. Well, I suppose we'll just keep track of this and see where it goes in the future. Rumour has it, guys, that Destruction All-Stars Lucid Games have been handed the Twisted Metal franchise. Now, sources have told that to VGC. So there is something to this. But how do you feel about it? Now, Phil, I'm going to pass it over to you first because when we actually played this and we all talked about it on what we've been playing months ago... You were the only one that was actually positive on this game. So how do you feel about this? Well, I, I don't know if I was that positive, really, considering I talked about it on two separate episodes and I was trying to hype up a little bit of the games that, you know, were on offer on PS Plus, seeing as you guys very kindly, um, very kindly bought me PS Plus for the year. I thought it would be time that I played some of the games on there. So I was trying to, trying to build it up a little bit. But um, yeah, it's not a game I've ever gone back to. and. I think my early experience of the game was pretty much it was already dead before it got going. 
and and maybe this is and maybe this is their way of sort of trying to spice it up trying to encourage a couple people back into the ecosystem of destruction all-stars by having the much loved characters as twisted metal franchise appearing in it because it needs something right there's no appeal for anyone really to play it it's a bunch of new characters you've never heard of playing a brand new game that's not really popular so what is it that draws you into it so you're saying, if I get this right, you're saying that they basically just take Twisted Metal and just put it on top of Destruction All-Stars and say, that'll do, pig. That'll do. I can't imagine they're going to spend a lot of money on this. They're just thinking, what do people know in the racing space? And the Destruction Derby kind of area. And our minds always go to Twisted Metal, don't we? We go to that big clown face on fire. So bring it in. I'll tell you what, mate. I've got a completely different theory for all of this. I think that Sony are just sick of people asking for Twisted Metal, and they thought, who's capable of killing this IP? <laughs> Let's give it to Lucid Games. Let's see what they come up with, and let stop hearing all this shit on Twitter. Because Destruction All-Stars was hot trash. I, I got it. I gotta agree with you, Spence. If they if they hand it over to Lucy Games, they're just fucking handing it a death note. There's no way in hell that they're getting it. And if they are, then I tell you what, PlayStation, you're fucking insane. Because that game was trash. It was so bad. It is unreal. I don't know how the fuck you fuck up a car destruction game, but they managed to do it. They just really managed to do it, especially when you got like Wreckfest, which is just Destruction Derby, but better, right? I, I, I don't know, honestly, how you can take all the inspiration that PlayStation have had over its entire, entire lifespan and you bring out a game that wouldn't be worthy of the PS2. It's so bad. It's so bad. I don't see this happening at all. I reckon this is complete bullshit. Total bullshit. I think if they did this, it's just sending it to die. And I think, going back to the previous rumour, I'd much prefer it to go to someone that actually knows how to make a game and you hand it over to Bluepoint. Because I do not want Lucy Games anywhere near anything I actually like. And it turns out I really like Twisted Metal, especially Twisted Metal Black. So no, hands off them. I don't want them anywhere near it. What do you guys reckon? Mate, I think you want to work Bluepoint like dogs. You want them to do everything. I want them to do everything. I would give them the same budget that like Naughty Dog's got. And I'd be like, you boys, how many teams do you need? They'd be like, um, well, Davey's given us 10 games at least to remake. We've got to make Colony Wars, we've got to make Metal Gear Solid. We, we need pretty much everyone in the industry. And they'd be like, done. So you think with this series, they're going to be bringing out a brand new Twisted Metal game? Or do you think it's the case where they're going to bring some of the characters, maybe like the recognizable ones like Kane, back into uh, Destruction All-Star to try and give it that push a little bit? I reckon it's just brand new. It's, it's time for brand new. We haven't had one since PS3. It's been a long time since we've had a new Twisted Metal game. About time they brought the series back. And what better way than with their top of the range, good developer, that's not Lucid Games. Do you reckon there's an actual possibility of this then, Phil? Do you reckon that they are the people that could actually do it? The, on, the only way, as, I, as I've kind of spoke about, the only way I could see this happening is if they bring um you know some of the beloved characters like sweet tooth 
you know, in into Destruction All Stars as kind of like DLC or something like that, an addition of Destruction All Stars to try and update it a bit because they've got the base game already, right? It's relatively similar, but to bring characters in, I know you're saying it's a completely different game, but to bring characters in that people have that affinity for might encourage people back into the game, and that's the only way I could see it. I can't see Lucid Games being handed the IP and saying make a brand new game which is quite similar to a game you've already made, which was a flop. Fair. And what about you, Spence? I don't really give a shit what they do with it. It could be real, it could be fake. Or even if it's real, I'm going to pay it no interest whatsoever. I'm good. This rumour could be true. I'm not going to buy Twisted Metal if it's made by Lucid Games. I'm not going to play Destruction All-Stars if Sweet Tooth's in it. It doesn't affect me. I'm going to be playing Blue Point's Fat Princess. So guys, rumour has it that Sly Cooper is going to make his return. I know in this section we've talked about returning characters. No one's mentioned Sly Cooper yet. Um, But journalist Jeff Grubb, um, he's been previously right about a bunch of different rumours recently and historically. Um, He's been um, sort of picked out for mentioning that Sly Cooper is in development. How do you guys feel about this? Do you want another Sly Cooper game? Or do do we even care about Sly Cooper? I don't know. Looking at my wall of games... I don't own a Sly Cooper game, so this doesn't get me excited at all. How do you feel about it, Spence? I mean, I can't really recall which Sly Cooper games I've played, but I've played a good few of them, and I remember loving those games. Just playing as a sneaky little raccoon, trying to steal stuff, using your little staff to slide down ropes and stuff. It was sick. It was just a cool little game. And now that I'm keen on Platinums and stuff, I just think it'd be a fun Platinum. It's going to be like a Ratchet and Clank, isn't it? It'd be cool if he if he came back. The only thing is, the studio that originally did it was Sucker Punch. And Sucker Punch, obviously more recently, they're known for Ghost of Tsushima. And for me, they're known for Infamous. That's the series that I love them for. It's going to have to go to a, another studio, just like Sly 4 was done, if it wasn't done in-house by Sucker Punch. They're already working on Infamous at that time and, and on to uh, bigger and better things with Ghost. It'd be cool if he came back. I got no affinity for him as a character. I haven't played any of the games. That you know, I mean, like platformers and stuff are really cool, but that generation in PS2 when he was big, I wasn't really big on them. You know, I was playing games like Psyops and like all these rant and like fucking Dark Sector, all these bollocks games. I was just really into them. And that and the Budokai series from Dragon Ball, that was all I was playing. So uh, I can't speak with like hype or anything on this. I could see him coming back because he's been dormant for a long time. And he is an icon of PlayStation. He's an easy character to bring back to let people go hype for. But he's not on the same level as like a Ratchet or even hell, like a Sackboy. He's nowhere near that. I'm not sure. I mean, it'd be cool if he came back. I can see it happening for sure. Would it make me excited? Not really. So you're the same as me, really, Davey. It doesn't really matter to you if he does or if he doesn't. But Spence, you'd be excited about this. Yeah, I'd be well excited. And I'll also tell you exactly who's going to make the game and who's going to bring him back. It's fucking Blue Point, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how, the, funny how these topics have all just tied into each other. <laughs> Almost like we've planned it. Well, speaking of planning it, it's time to get back to the dock and it's time to bring it on to topic time stop topic time right so the first topic of this evening is 
Konami are making a comeback? It seems like Konami have pretty much everything you could want in development at the moment. Now, this should really be in rumor has it, but it's so meaty that I wanted to kind of open it up for you guys really and just have it as its own topic. So, the rumors are that apparently they got a team on the case for Metal Gear Solid that's being remade. They got two different teams working on Silent Hill and they got teams on bringing Castlevania back. Now, this gets even deeper because the full rumor for this is that Sony are funding Silent Hill and guess who's doing it? Kojima Productions. It's all come full circle from when we were talking about that fucking, that game, what was it, Abandoned? It's all kind of come back to that full circle. It seems to come up all the time on this. Take a bit of salt with it. Think about it a little bit. But in terms of Konami, I think it's pretty bang on. I don't see why, as much as I want Bluepoint to do Metal Gear, realistically, it's your biggest IP as Konami. Why wouldn't you do it in-house? And they've got the studios there. They've got the Fox engine still under their development. You could just use that, put a full team on board to really flex the Fox engine and get it into next gen and make something truly special with something like Metal Gear and Castlevania hell. Most people would be happy with 2D. Most people would be happy with 2D Castlevania. You don't need to go down like the kind of Lords of Shadow route for it. Guys, I know this is essentially a rumor, but there's a lot here to kind of unpack and this has been kind of talked about by a lot of different sources. Does this make you excited to see Konami come back into the into the fold and be an actual competitor to the likes of Capcom and Ubisoft and EA, everyone else? Or do you really not care? For me, you've just got to think what Konami have been up to this last year. Let's just have a think. E-football? And how did that go? Probably not that well. I know we referenced it in uh, in in the topics previous on a previous episode, but I don't think a lot of people play in that, and I don't think it's turned out to be as big as it possibly could be in the future. So Konami really need to pull their finger out and to go back into the back catalogue. It's a treasure trove. There is so many titles there that they could pick on, and as you said, to go back to Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill, Chef's Kiss. So I got this report and I got all this from uh, Video Games Chronicle, VGC, who we mentioned earlier. And what they're saying is, though, I need to, I need to specify this, right? Because this actually breaks me a little bit. This, this does break me. And I kind of wanted to see your disappointment on your faces, boys. They're not remaking Metal Gear Solid 1. They're remaking Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. It's as bad as the IGN best game of all time, because what did they include? <sighs> makes me sick. It makes me sick. But the, the rumor with this really is that the studio who's working on this is uh, Virtuo. So Virtuous is one of those, um, they're one of those studios that really focus on supporting AAA studios to kind of get a game out. So they've worked on things such as Dark Souls Remastered, The Outworlds and Bioshock Collection. And they've also contributed to uh, Battlefield 1, Uncharted 4, and Horizon. 
So they're kind of one of those studios that just kind of works with everyone else to get a game finished and get it out there, right? Like a big team of developers that you just kind of hire in. They're not part of your staff, but they're one of those people that you see in the credits, right? Special thanks to Virtuo Studios. Giving them one of your biggest IP, I mean, maybe it's something that team needs, right? To level them up and get them involved with it. I just don't want it to be that one. I just don't want it to be Snake Eater. I mean, I love climbing the ladder for five minutes to listen to. What a thrill. With darkness and silence through the night. And I love listening to Be very to careful, David. We'll get YMCA'd. I mean, there's a copyright there. It was so accurate. You know, it's got to be a copyright strike. But this is the thing. I, I just don't want that. I don't want that. I want Snake getting naked in the lift. That's what I want. But Davey, seeing as it's going to a development company that you haven't got that much love for, isn't this the best Metal Gear for them to be starting with? Because would you really want to hand them the golden child of Metal Gear Solid, the original? Do you really want them to spoil what you love in video gaming? It's a really good point, actually. Yeah, it's actually a really good point. But what if they do it incredible? What if it's actually busted good? Then they can do it the second time. Then they what, can they do it the second backwards. time. Why not? I, I... <laughs> It's a strange one. Yeah, they're just dipping their hand in the pot and going, which one comes out first? I think they've just, they've just looked at the Metacritic and gone, well, a lot of people seem to like Snake Eater. We'll make, remake that game first because it'll make us the most money. And that's probably the wise business choice, isn't it? You know, you've got some directors sat up at the top of, you know, Tower, um, Tower Konami. I was going to say Tower Kojima there. Tower uh, Konami, you know, and they're thinking, oh, this is our most popular game. Look at this. That's the one to remake. They're not thinking about it correctly because they're not understanding who is voting for those games. What you want to do, possibly to attract, you know, the hardcore, the people that really love your games, the passionate people, the people that have got walls full of Metal Gear Solid merchandise is go back to the original. Yeah, there could be something in that. There could be something in that. Spence, having never played any of them, how would you feel about this, about the third entry coming out first as the remake? I mean, it's a bummer for me because I've never played them. Obviously, I can't. If they do remake the third one, I can't buy that and start with that, having never played the others. But at the same time, this entire Konami like rumor, I've not played any of their games. I've not played the Metal Gears, Castlevanias, Silent Hills, any of them. And out of all these, I don't really care too much about the Metal Gear remake because I'm going to play the originals and then maybe I will after that. Silent Hill, though. If it's anything like PT that we've seen, sheesh. That's what I want. Just make PT a real thing. Spence, you never played a Yu-Gi-Oh! GX Tag Force? Was that on the PSP? That was a Konami game back in the day. If that was on PSP, then yes, I played it and I loved that game. Well, there we go. Maybe that's your beloved title from uh, Konami's back catalogue. Oh yeah, give that the blue point. Jesus. Yeah, it was PlayStation 2 and PlayStation Portable, so potentially it's the same game we're talking about. So uh, don't write them off too early, because they could be bringing Yu-Gi-Oh! back soon. (laughs) Hell yeah. Jesus. I mean, the rumour of it going back to Kojima and Sony nabbing that up as a PlayStation exclusive is a big deal. 
Silent Hill's never been as big as the series that can't be mentioned. <laughs> he's actually, for, for the blind listeners, he actually pulled up his Yu-Gi-Oh! trading card pack. And he's showing us now. He's got his, the only one I know is fucking dragon, white dragon, blue eyes, whatever it is. Blue eyes, white dragon, <laughs> and Exodia. You've got to believe in the heart of the cards, oh, mate. Jeez, I don't know fucking Yu-Gi-Oh! That, that, was, a, that was a quote. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> A little nod to the Yu-Gi-Oh fans there. I'm sorry for all you that have lost your virginity that you had to listen to that. Um, yeah, I think, going back to it, I think that the Kojima rumour is massive if it's true. Like, if that actually turns out to be true, that would be a huge deal. Now, Silent Hill, as I said, has never been as big as Resident Evil. Um, yeah, it, it it's just, it's not, it's never been as big, right? Never, never, ever, ever. But it is mega important, especially to those that have an affinity to the series. And I think with Dead Space coming back, Resident Evil's obviously on top form. Oh, fuck me, it actually doesn't count, does it? It actually counts. Oh, fuck, that one wasn't on purpose. Ah, forget that it's not fucking active until until we take a shot because we're not taking shots tonight. Um, let's have a quick check. How many are we on? So I've got two. I got two now. And Spence passing over from the last episode. One, just yeah. the one. Okay. Uh, Resident Evil. Resident Evil. Let's go. We're all on two. There we go. Shots for the boys. Awesome shots for the boys tomorrow night in Pete and Baz. Right, yeah, so as I was saying, it's never been as important as the series that can't be mentioned, but it's certainly going to win hearts and minds at a press conference. People will go mental for it. You know, as I was saying, you've got things like Dead Space, you've got things like the series that can't be mentioned, and they're big deals now. Dead Space was never as big as it is being now. It's because you've got this revisionist history where loads of people say that they've played it, and they may have done. They may have played it on, like, you know, some hacked console edition or whatever, but it never sold up to EA standards. So getting getting something like this tied down to PlayStation is a big win. That is just big for the console and for this ongoing war, which isn't really a war. It's more of an absolute fucking stomping because Xbox is getting bodied right now. And, I mean... Halo, by all accounts, by all accounts, is fantastic. So hopefully they can start catching up some ground because at the moment it's actually quite embarrassing. So hopefully this gets a little bit closer, but this is the kind of thing that would just push them over the edge again. Getting a series like this with this much legacy, and because we're massive fans of the series that cannot be mentioned, it's always great to have competition in that space. You know, if if Konami are bringing back Silent Hill. Then Capcom got to up their game for Resident for Resident Evil Nine. Resident Evil. This is ridiculous. This is right, this, this is, is ridiculous. This, this is, is so many times this now. Is insane. This it's is like ridiculous. once you push it once, you can't not push it. No, I think I think because we know we're not getting punished right now, it doesn't mm. seem that bad. But I think when we actually go out on the night out and we're already trashed, it's going to be savage. When we're crawling home at like. What, two or three o'clock? <laughs> yeah. We're going to be yeah, regretting saying that, that series. But back to my point, it's good to have competition, so bring it on. 
because I can't wait to see what happens with the series that cannot be mentioned. Nine, it'll be, wouldn't it? The next one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just think about it. We wouldn't have had the series direction that Seven went in if we didn't have PT. PT's what influenced that game to go first person. They say that it didn't. Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. They said they were deep in development by the time PT got released. No chance. There's no chance. It literally, it, it's obvious that it's linked to it. It's so obvious. So, yeah, any chance of Kojima going in there and revolutionizing the horror genre, I am so down for. I mean, guys, going back over this, it seems like we're pretty hyped. If this is true, this is something that we all want to happen. We want, uh, we want Konami to make a comeback onto the big stage with their IP. I think, I think for me, you know, I'm a massive Capcom fanboy and I would be for Konami as well if they were still releasing games or good games. I mean, yeah, I've never been much of a Konami fan and I'd like them to change my mind. I'd love to actually get into the Silent Hill series and a new version of that game might inspire me to dig back into the past games. So boys, for our next topic conversation, we're going to be talking about China and how lately they've been banning video games featuring same-sex relationships, effeminate men, and moral choices, according to a leaked memo. Now, this memo, we're reading it from Yahoo News, which seems to be the only publication that kind of reporting on this. And because of that, I'm going to read out the entire thing and just fill you and all the listeners in on what's happening. So this internal memo is from a recent internal training by the State-Backed Gaming Association, it was revealed by the South China Morning Post. It lays out new restrictions for approving video games in China. According to the publication, the memo said that video games must not be viewed as pure entertainment and should instead convey a correct set of values. Games that feature queer relationships or effeminate males, the memo states, should not be approved for release in China. If regulators can't tell the character's gender immediately, the setting of the characters could be considered problematic and red flags will be raised, it added. Games that allow players to make moral choices between good and evil should also not be approved. Some games have blurred moral boundaries, it said. Players can choose to be either good or evil, but we don't think that games should give players the choice. And it has to be altered. The memo comes as China increasingly regulates its gaming industry, with the government announcing in August that it would be limiting the amount of time miners can play online games to three hours per week. The leaked memo marks the latest move by China to crack down on the perceived decline of traditional masculinity. Last month, China announced that sissy, effeminate men would be banned being on TV, insisting broadcasters must only vigorously promote excellent Chinese traditional culture. The official instruction was issued to broadcasters in China as part of a national rejuvenation campaign by President Xi Jinping to enforce traditional morality by tightening government control of business and society. The government said broadcasters must resolutely put an end to sissy men and other abnormal aesthetics on screen. Now that's a lot to unpack. And I feel a bit filthy saying a lot of it. What do you boys think of it? This entire thing? Just what what caught your ears? Well, I think before I pass it over to Phil and get his take on this, I think this is just absolutely outrageous absolutely outrageous and there's a reason why this isn't being reported in your ign's in your game spots you know like kind of everywhere this would be massive for this for a european studio right this would be huge 
if this was like the EU that were doing it, or the UK, or US, right? It'd be massive. But the difference is China's got a lot of, a lot of bank, and they got a lot of stakes in stuff. Now, we haven't reported too much on this podcast, but Tencent obviously own a lot of stakes in video games. Now, just to reel off a couple that I've got here, okay? Now, this is only a fraction of them, but these are the ones that I think would be quite important and pertinent to this discussion. So in 100% of Riot Games, obviously the makers of League of Legends, they own, 100, they own 40% of Epic, they own 11.5% of Bluehole, which is the developers of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, they own 5% of Ubisoft, 5% of Activision Blizzard, then they've got like undisclosed investments in Platinum Games and, and loads and loads of others. But you can tell they've got a massive sphere of influence across the gaming, across the gaming industry. Now, you only have to look about what happened with WWE when John Cena stepped out of line and he called Taiwan a country, right? And he ended up going on and speaking fucking Chinese and apologizing to them because they called an actual country a country, okay? This is fucking insane because it means that we're going to get to the point where we could start seeing the games that we really love. Like I was talking about Life is Strange. We could get to the point where I start seeing games like that disappear because they have a, an asset in that studio. And I think this is just outrageous. I think this is just unbelievable. And the fact that people don't know about it and they aren't speaking about this to the same extent that they were all talking about sexual harassment at Activision, it's just nuts. Like, this is way more important than anything like that to gaming on the entire spectrum. I mean, Phil, I don't know League of Legends at all, right? But I'm sure there's some characters in there that are some kind of effeminate, right? Or is there just not? Davey, you want to be careful what you're saying. You know, the Chinese overlords could be listening to this podcast. And I'm sure it won't be long until we're not allowed to even mention them. You know, China, if you're listening... My DMs are open. I'm the money man in this uh, trio. So talk to me first. I'll sort out the contracts and I'll, I'll shush them for you. But all joking aside, um, thinking of League of Legends, I'm, I'm sure this hints at all that type of stuff within League of Legends. It's quite an inclusive game. It's quite a lot of dif- different demographics and um, sort of not so much sexualities, but yeah, like you, you can see that in some of the, the lore within League of Legends. Um, so I don't think that's been cut out just yet, but uh you know, as Tencent are the owner, if they're cracking down on that type of thing. I know that in different countries, um, you do get different splash arts, uh, which is quite interesting. I think some of the European splash arts are quite, probably more overly sexualized than the sort of Chinese or Korean splash arts that you do get in League of Legends. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, always. Was it, was it in League of Legends that that guy got told off for saying Free Hong Kong? No, that was Hearthstone. That was Hearthstone, was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was Blizzard again, our, our favourite uh, company ever. <laughs> um, after EA, of course, you know, that's the list. EA top, Blizzard second. Um, yeah, he, he, he was in a tournament, wasn't he? And he said uh, those, those, those words which cannot be mentioned because um, okay. it would be worse than taking a shot on a night out um, if, <laughs> if China heard us say those, say those horrible words. Terrible words, <laughs> terrible. Um, Fuck China, man. Fuck China. Honestly, this is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Fuck China. It makes me laugh about that whole um, cutting out the moral decision. I bet Peter Molyneux is rolling in his grave at the moment about that. 
you know, his whole game, black and white, which was legendary on the PC, was all about that moral decision. You know, are you good? Are you bad? I don't know how his sales went in China back in the day, but I know these days he wouldn't he wouldn't have got the green light. Yeah, no chance, no chance. And, and I suppose that's the thing, Spence. Like my takeaway from this is just that I want everyone just to open their eyes, really, that things could change over the next few years. I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be quick. It's not something you're going to notice straight away, but it's something that you just want to keep an eye on. And I mean, I don't know what we can do to really stop it. That's the problem. Because we're a capitalist society, much like all of all of, all of Europe um, and with the, the US, you know, all the, all the developed world really, apart from China, is, is a capitalist society. And the problem is if you've got somebody that's got such a big, a big wallet as China, you can't really fight against that. There's control everywhere though, Davey. You know, you only have to look at, you know, the video game laws out in Australia where the, those games aren't as violent. You know, they, they dumb down the violence in, in the Australian releases of games. And, and I think it's blood and zombies that they kind of don't allow so much out there. So ev- everywhere has got their own rules to what they're allowed and what they're not allowed to show in games. But of course, yes, China is at the top of that list because they are batshit crazy. <laughs> but I, I mean, the thing about it is that the Australian law isn't going to impact on us in Great Britain, is it? But the China law would have an impact on the world because that you know you can't say well in this region we'll turn off choice you you couldn't just do that like it doesn't work like that imagine that as a game as i mentioned black and white that'd be a very boring game if you didn't have the choice between good and bad (laughs) exactly it just doesn't work so you you can't just do that and be like well, we're going to take out the blood and tits, you know? You, you can't. You've got to be like, right, well, let's just design this game in a way that's going to appeal to the most sales so we can capitalize on the Chinese market. That's the obvious way to make business sense, right? But then in doing so, you kind of undercut what a game could do. And and that's my fear with this. What would Tormented Souls be without blood and boobs? That was your review, David. <laughs> Two-word review, blood and boobs. I know, I know. The poor Australians, they're not getting any of that juice. They're getting none of this. But Spence, you've been quite quiet on this after bringing it in. What What are your thoughts on all this? I mean, I think it's just a bit batshit insane. China, China's mad. The issue is they are such a strong power. I'd have no say if they did anything. But you have to think how many games, even like aside from all the queer and kind of like character trait specific stuff, how many games would be affected by not having the choice between right and wrong? They wouldn't even have, like, Infamous or anything like that. There are so many games that just give you choices. Mass Effect, Infamous, any kind of, like, decision-making game, whether it be in terms of character building, in terms of dialogue in games, gone. You just can't do it. Either that or they just cut that aspect out of the game and then make it a w- infinitely worse game. I'm I'm glad I'm not in China. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm in Wales. But if that shit starts affecting us here, there's going to be some black market fully released games that are going to be going out and we're going to have to get involved. Well, I mean, this is the thing. They just wouldn't ever get to that point, would they? They just wouldn't be developed in that way because they'd look at it and say, well, we can make X number of million sales if we release it everywhere apart from China. But, We've got a 5% controlling stake from Tencent in our company. And they're pushing 
that they're going to pull their investment unless we release it in this way. So you have to, right? And that's the danger that they're in. But it's the problem of our own making because we're capitalist society and they got money. And that's just the way it is. You know, there's nothing we can really do about it other than bitch. And, and so I wanted to make sure I had a bitch on here. There's, on, there's only really one way I can see us circumventing this issue in the future. And that's if developers kind of, obviously they can't include it in the games, but they could leave the games kind of open. So just kind of have blanks in the game. And that's where the modding community would come in. Because the modding community probably wouldn't be controlled by China. People do that shit for free. And they could kind of fill in the blanks. The issue is, is that that's such a huge weight put onto the modding community. And they would kind of have to make our games whole. But then I think you'd get some developers that hate China, like on 4chan releasing free mods <laughs> on for their own game. 4chan doing it. 4chan coming in to save the world, like... Yeah. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be funny to have like a Chinese setting on a game where you can basically turn turn it all off? I, I mean, that would that would be the way that 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 would make the most sense, right? In terms of the global economy, but uh, I I I mean, just looking at what's happened already with like the NBA and with WWE and all these companies that have just taken the knee to China, I can't see it going that way. I can only see it being a case of you know, it, it going to a point where you just don't have this kind of this kind of variety that we enjoy at the moment as part of developers realizing their vision. And that's what scares me. And so I just want listeners out there just to keep an open eye and to really just watch this space closely because I think this is something that we're going to be kind of looking at quite closely on the podcast and something that I'm really intrigued by to see how much is overlooked by the gaming media and then how much they hype up things like the Activision Blizzard drama which is which is awful in itself not comparing controversy to controversy here but one's a lot bigger to the overall industry than the other and there's been a lot of spotlight on one and nothing on the other so just keep an eye out Okay, guys, to round us off, we are on to our last topic, and we're going to be talking about game trials. From now until October 28th, you can play six hours of Death Stranding Director's Cut and five hours of Sackboy's Big Adventure. This is exclusive to PS5 only. Uh, once you reach the end of that trial period, uh, then you'll need to buy the game to be able to carry on with that experience. Davey, I know you've been emailed the link uh, and you've had the option to play these games, but we'll push it on to Spencer first because I know you've played Sackboy's Big Adventure. Is this something you'd be looking out for in your inbox? I mean, I did have a look in my inbox and I was a bit pissed off because I didn't get an invitation to do this. And obviously, like we've said, I do want to play Death Stranding. I was fucking, I was fuming. As soon as Davey sent that image of his email in our group chat, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Sony man, where's mine? I was livid. But at the same time, I don't think this is a great system. I think it's a great idea. I don't like the way they've implemented it at all. Um, I'm very lucky that I have good internet. I have great internet. Some people don't. And there have been lots of complaints on Twitter because they've been included into this trial. They have shit internet. And the six hours of Death Stranding begins the second you start downloading the game. 
So some of those people are going to take maybe three hours to download just Death Stranded. They can only play half of their trial. Or if they chuck it on rest mode and download, and then they pop out for a night out or something and come back the next day thinking, yes, I'm going to wake up, play six hours of Death Stranding. No, the time is finished. It's six hours from starting to download. It's stupid. That's really important that you've mentioned that because I, I wouldn't have known that. I'm the type of cat to kind of like download things while I'm in work, put it on downstairs, go up, finish finish my uh, job uh, working up in the home office, come downstairs and then play my game. So my trial may have already finished by then if I was to download Sackboy's Big Adventure. Yeah, it's it's a stupid system. Like I know you and I, Phil, both have really good internet. Davey, yours is like worse than ours, but still good. Just inherently from the way they've worked this system, we would get more time in the game than you would. And that's not smart. I don't know why they didn't choose to just make it six hours from booting the game or six hours of in-game time. Because we know that PlayStation tracks your in-game time now. So clearly that system's already in place. They, they could have done a halfway house, couldn't they? Where it was like, from, from the point of download completion or the, the point of install. The, the timer would start so it kind of encourages you to play the game sort of straight away uh and again i don't really like that but i could understand that being an option as opposed to six hours or five hours from the point you click download i gotta say the system is fucking dumb it's so stupid it's actually unreal like you said imagine i'm on 60 60 meg internet okay you guys are on like fucking hundreds of meg so you get it way quicker than me Whenever we're just installing patches to go play a game together, you guys are done way before I am, right? Like 15 minutes or so. If it's a full game, that's a big-ass thing. It's a big-ass thing. Why didn't they just do this the same way that Steam does it? That you buy the game and you can play it a certain amount of hours before you get your refund. But they do it smarter than Steam do. And they don't just say it's an hour. Like steam do because you get into issues with that steam's kind of universal hour policy backfires to games that are like 90 minutes long or an hour long or less right there is a there's a recent drama about this actually where a, a game developer an indie game developer put out a game and it was only 50 minutes long and people paid like 20 quid for it and then everyone was just refunding it on steam because they completed it within the hour so they can get a free refund. So the guy actually ended up going out of business. He ended up going out of business as a game developer and just stopping and going on from there. In fact, I'm going to pull a quick Google and look it up. I don't have a fucking clue. Nothing else to do. So that's all I Google. Okay, guys, I've got it here. So after a quick Google, thank you, Mr. Google, I've got an article here from PC Gamer, and it's uh, this is what it says. So a horror indie developer stepped away from games development indefinitely because Steam's it's two-hour refund policy. My, uh, my apologies there for that one. Has led to a high number of returns on their latest game. Solo developer Emika Games released the psychological thriller Summer of 58 at the end of July, receiving mostly positive reviews on Steam. But as they tweeted in a statement this week, the game's short length has led to a high number of refunds being processed, leaving Emeka out of pocket. And that's what ended up closing their studio. So you have to do it by a game-by-game -game basis, right? And if 
If Sony are doing it on these two games, Sackboy and Death Stranding, right? Death Stranding's like an 80-odd hour experience. Sackboy's about 12 hour, right? You can pick and choose what you want to do it with. So you, you don't put it on something that's like a few hours long. You put it on big games. You put it on long games. You put it on like Horizon. You put it on something like God of War. You put like a three-hour trial on it, right? You don't do it on something that's like Journey. Because what's the fucking point, right? What's the point? I think they can do that, especially if they do it by a kind of scattershot approach with certain titles per month. They can say, yeah, they got a free trial on. Try it. Try it for X number of hours specific to that. And it's tracked by in-game time. But doing it from download is fucking dumb. Like you said, Phil, I'm exactly the same as you. I'm in work. You guys say, oh, do you fancy playing X tonight? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Go onto my PS app. Download to PSN, download to my PlayStation 5, get home, I have to put my son to bed like eight hours later, and I play it. If I had done that while I was in work, I'd be fucked. I don't normally get onto playing games until like 10 o'clock at night. And so if I had to do that while I was in work, like I normally would do, I would have totally lost any chance I had of playing this. Uh, I've, I've just done a bit quick Google, the same sort of uh, time as you've been Googling up some facts. Um, so Sackboy's 31 gig, apparently, to download. Uh, Death Stranding sits at the 68 gigabyte to download. Sackboy is 30 to 35 hours completion. Uh, and Death Stranding is 40 to 50 if you want to just complete the game. So that's why I, I assume they've given you six hours of Death Stranding and only five hours of Sackboy. There must be some sort of percentage they're working out there. It, it, it just seems mad that they, they're starting that timer that early. It seems quite um, quite unfair, really. I suppose maybe this goes on to the standard argument that we seem to lay at Sony's heels every single time this kind of thing happens. Maybe it's their back office. We know how fucking shit their back office is. I mean, maybe they couldn't have developed a smarter solution than this. Either that, or they just need to just bin off that entire back office team because you haven't done anything right for fucking three generations now. That that's my only. P- PS3 thing. was fine. PS3 was fine because it did everything. It was open, bro. The store was in a browser. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? It was shit. You couldn't even change names. They didn't. It was free internet though. <laughs> free to play online. So that's Come on. that's all it takes. The glory days for me. That's all it takes. That and you can play American games, and that's all Phil needs, right? That's 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 what I want. You couldn't change your name. The store took fucking a, a fucking century to load because it was on a browser. So you'd see a little fucking radio going around while the store booted up. I remember one of the most impressive things about PS4 was going on and being like, click on the store and it load. I'd be like, <gasps> I can't believe this, right? It was just insane. This is the first time we're, we're, we're getting these trials. So it could improve in the future. But as you're saying, Sony back office is, is it, it's in a state. So... I can't see this being improved in the short term. If it's successful, possibilities in the long term. Um, but Spence, you know, with, with these two games that they've chosen, do you, do you sort of have an opinion on this? I know you've played Sackboy. You would like to play Death Stranding. What sort of games would you like to see if they, if they continue these trials? Thank you very much, mate. I was actually just thinking about this. I think I know exactly why they've chosen both of these games. And I'm sure Sackboy didn't sell as well as they expected. And we know that Death Stranding didn't sell as well as expected. And I think they were worried about Death Stranding Director's Cut's release. 
and they want more people to buy Sackboy, and that's why those are two games they've chosen. They want people to test out the games, and hopefully push those sales numbers up a bit. But it all just comes down to that start time starting on download. That is all it is. It's just the biggest fuck-up they possibly could have done. The game choices are fine. I I would rather it not be Sackboy, because that game's it's come and gone, and it's trash. It's not trash. It's not trash. It's not trash. It's not trash. Average. It's not trash. Just, well, if this trial includes a patch to the internet, to the netcode, then great. But it doesn't. So, it is what it is. Death Stranding's a great choice, but six hours... Six hours is a good amount of time to dip your toes, but you're not getting six hours. Yeah. That's the issue. i tell you a game I reckon they should have put this trial on. Demon Souls. Oh. Demon Souls is already sold the hardcore. But you're not going for the hardcore in a game trial. You're just not. The people are already interested have already got it. It's everyone That's else. Weird. And when they get in to see that fucking game, I guarantee you they'll give it a go. That's the game. That's the game you give it on. That or Returnal. Returnal didn't yeah. sell well. Returnal sold really badly, actually. And I think a game like that is what you put in the hands of a game trial. Get people addicted to that fucking, that same kind of process that's in both Demon's Souls and Returnal of just trying and dying, trying and dying, getting better, getting better, getting better. Four hours later then, they're steaming through it and they're like, do you want to buy the game? Fuck yeah, I'm caning it now. Whereas if it was a half hour or an hour trial, you'd be like, fuck this game. Do you know what? Just fuck this game off. No way. I'm just, it's not for me, right? But four hours, you could get fucking good by that point. Yeah, that, those are my choices. What, what do you reckon, Phil? What do you reckon would make a good choice for this? I 100% agree with you. I think Returnal is the perfect one. Um, obviously, a lot of people got put off buying Returnal because of the heavy price tag. It was one of the first sort of full price PS5 games, if you like. Um, and of course, it is quite a difficult game, as I found, to sort of get into. Um, so maybe having that trial would have sort of either made that choice for you by giving you that option. But again, if I had had the trial, I would have probably not bought it. That's fair. So there's two sides to the coin, isn't there? You give someone a trial and it's it's almost like the days of the demos when you would buy the PlayStation magazine and you, you, you would put those demos in, you'd play a couple of minutes of the demo and it would cut you off. You know, that's all you could play as a kid. And then that game lives and dies by that demo. If the opener to a game is stunning, then sure, it's going to be perfect for this kind of trial basis. If you're going to get a couple of hours, if the first opening sections of that game are amazing, blows someone away, perfect. But if a game ramps slowly, then maybe not. You want to sway away from this because it might put more people off than encourage them into buying your game. I really find that quite interesting, actually, what you were saying about that, like kind of putting you off a game. Because you, you're quite right. Obviously, we spoke on this podcast quite a few times about different betas that we tried that have just turned us off. Um, I, I mean, the example is Back for Blood, right? Back for Blood is a perfect example of that. A game that me and Spence tried uh, in the in the beta version. And we just didn't like. We just didn't enjoy it. And it came out from being in our, like, Shagmari kill lists to being just completely gone from there. Same with Diablo 2. Diablo 2 is another example of that where we got a chance to play the game before we actually bought it, before we put our money down, and we just thought, no, it's just, it's not for us. 
And I suppose you can get both ways. But I suppose the thing is with a game trial, these people haven't bought it already. So already not in the in the wheelhouse to buy it. So it's very different than a pre-release game, right? I'll tell you what, I think I know which game I think would have really benefited from this. And the issue is it would have had to have only been at most a two-hour trial. But I think a game like Ratchet, where it's very story heavy, two hours would give you enough time to get invested into the story. And you would then have to buy the game. You just have to. There's no way you get two hours into such a great game and think, oh, I don't need more of that. I don't need to know how this story ends. I think story games are perfect for this kind of system. I think I disagree with you slightly uh, just on the point of choosing Ratchet & Clank because it it already sold quite well compared to the other sort of PS5 exclusives. And what what are you doing in the first couple of hours of Ratchet? You you know, not not to spoil it too much, but there's there's a big showpiece at the start uh, and and then you get the first level. And I, I don't know if that's encouraging me to buy it if I haven't already bought it. I'm not sure. If I'm not already a Ratchet & Clank fan, I know what to expect from that series. I think the trials are better with an unknown, such as something like Returnal, such as something like Death Stranding. It's a game series that you have no previous with. It's giving you the option to play something brand new. If you're playing a series that's, you know, span the life of the PlayStation, I know what I'm going to expect with Ratchet & Clank. And if I don't like Ratchet & Clank, why am I even playing the trial? I understand what you mean, but I think Ratchet is the perfect choice because it's the only game so far that truly shows off what the PS5 is capable of. And this is a PS5 exclusive trial. It's the only game that utilizes the SSD to its fullest, and it would show people that don't have the game what the PS5 can truly do. I'm just thinking at what point do you start jumping through the the portals within Ratchet? Is it that early on? It is that early on, yeah then potentially, you know, like I, I, I like a showpiece. And yeah, I, I do agree with you. Ratchet is definitely a showpiece for the PS5. So potentially, but again, my argument is more that you should be introducing someone to a new series within PlayStation with these free trials. I want to put something out there, guys. Have a think about this. Say, for example, you haven't played The Last of Us. Imagine the first hour of that game. The first hour of that game is so impactful. That's the kind of thing you'd be like, fuck, I need to play this. So I think there is something there for a, sp- for a story game, even with something that's really big. And I mean, you look at it from the other side of the coin. PS4 has sold, what, 120 million units? Uncharted 4, The Last of Us, they sold, what, 20 million? There's this untapped market there for game sales from people that just haven't played them because they they stick on Call of Duty FIFA every year, right? So maybe this is it. Maybe you just open it up. But the only problem is that it takes a bit of work from PlayStation to make it specific to that title. And that's where this falls down because they're not going to put that work in. But I think there's something there. Just something we haven't spoke about. It's... It's the notion of if you get something for free, do you still value it at the same level that if you, you shelled out 70 quid for, right? If I, if I got the experience of Returnal for free, and then I, I suppose my, my experience isn't as positive as yours, Davey, but if, if you had the first you know, hour for free or you paid that amount of money, would you still value it at the same point? Do you see what I'm trying to get at here? 
No, I totally get you. It's the same way that I know that if I had bought Back for Blood, I would have stuck it through and saw the, and, and, and really see where the card system develops to. But because I didn't, I know I'm not going to bother. There is something to that. All right then, so it looks like we all pretty much agree on this. And I think on that, it's time for us to end this podcast. Now, thank you ever so much for listening to this point. Listener, as I've said before, the best way to support the show is to review it. So if you're on YouTube, then the best way to do that, put a like on the video and subscribe. If you're on podcast, which is the majority of you, then please go on to whichever podcast service you use and put a review on there if possible. Even if you put five stars, great. Really, really appreciative of that. If you want to put five stars and put Davies the best host, I'll be extra appreciative and I'll shout you out next time. One thing to mention is that Spotify have enabled a new feature. I don't know if uh, some of our listeners have noticed it on our latest episode where we talk about um, IGN's uh, best game of all time. There is a question there for you to um, to answer uh, live within Spotify. So make sure you do that. Uh, I'd be really interested to see uh, your guys' views. The question this episode is going to be, which game do you want to see released as a full game trial? So make sure you answer and we'll read it out on the next episode. Now, there are other ways for you to be able to engage with the show. So if you want to write into the show and potentially put a new topic to us or to ask a question, you can write into the email, psvtrust at gmail.com. We're always willing to try new drinks, so why not suggest what beer or what alcohol we'll be trying on the next show? Log on to the Reddit. The URL will be on the description. And of course, always feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We're on there all day, every day. We're quite lonely. <laughs> you can find us at MPSB Trust or any of our individual Twitter accounts in the description below. And that's it for this episode of MPSB Trust. Now I've been Davey. I've been Phil. And I've been Spencer. Take care, guys. Peace. Hi there, guys. Davey here. I just finished the edit and I realised that the guys owe a lot of shots. Now, you've got a video going up in a second of my two shots that I did on the night out. But the guys didn't exactly make it to the night out. Phil went home early because he was trashed and Spence was just ill. So he didn't even come out in the first place. But I'm not leaving their debt hang. They're going to pay it back. So on the next episode, episode 28, I'm going to make them repay it. I'm going to devise a special game for them. But you'll have to wait till the next episode. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See ya. In PS We Trust is hosted by Davey, Phil, and Spencer. You can write into the show via our email, pswetrust at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at inpswetrust. To find each of us online, follow our Twitters at ssjdavey, at philiphoy, at spenpie underscore. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See ya.